Okay, well, today I want to talk to you about um, having a change of heart. A change of heart, by definition, is altered feelings or attitude on a matter, or to move to a different opinion. So that's where the Greek word cardia is where we get our word heart from, and it means your feelings, your will, and intellect. And so I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And then we'll pray over the word and get started this morning. Um, if you have the um, LWFC app or version on your phone, if you just go there to live events, then you can just click on it. It has all the, all the notes and scriptures there for you. You can follow along and add your own notes to that if you want to do that today. All right, Proverbs 4, 23. Everybody there? Yeah? Okay. All right, let's just hold up your Bible and let's just pray over the word today. God, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for... Um, that it never returns void. It always accomplishes what you set out for it to do. We thank you, Lord, for the men and women who died just so that we could have a copy of it in our language so that we would know your will and your way for our lives. We thank you so much, Lord, for your anointing. I completely depend upon it. And Holy Spirit, God, to just uh, speak through me. And I just thank you, Lord, that, um, that it would be all of your words and none of mine. And I just thank you so much, Lord, for uh, the minds and hearts of the congregation today. God, they'd be open just to absorb everything that you have for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, verse 23 says, um, keep, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And so I'm here today to tell you that God can change your heart. The condition of your heart is crucial for your relationships, for your success, and everything that you have in your life. It is, it, it, for you to even be happy, the condition of your heart has to be whole. And so we're going to talk about that today. And so this scripture says, guard your heart with intense effort. Diligence means intense effort. So if you read it like that, is guard your heart with intense effort because all of the issues of your life flow out of it. And so that's how important that it is. So, so many times on a regular basis... Um, and a, a lot of times, in fact, um, I ask that God to change my heart towards things, towards situations, um, towards people, towards dogs. Yes. And he does. So let me give you an example of that. Um, and this one's not even a spiritual one or a serious one, but this is an example of how God cares about what we care about, what you care about. So I didn't grow up with a dog. And I've always been a cat person. So if you're a dog person, don't hate me because I love cats. How many of you are cat people? What, what? How many of you are dog people? What? <laughs> See, that's it. That's usually the reaction. <laughs> but I did not grow up with dogs, so I don't like dogs. Okay, so then, sorry, don't, don't, just stick with me, okay? So then, um, so when the kids were little, and we, before we moved to Raleigh, we've been here about 17 years now. I'm from the mountains of North Carolina in a small town, but we had a house um, uptown in um, in the town where I grew up in, and so there's uh, sidewalks and everything, so um, Paul got a dog, wanted a dog, the kids wanted a dog, the kids were like four and five years old at the time, they're adults now, and, uh, um, but we got a dog, a Great Dane. <laughs> see, that's what first service said, <laughs> so see, you know where I'm going with this conversation, okay, so, and so I'd never had a dog before, tried to embrace the dog and stuff, so um, we were walking to the post office one day. I mean, this dog did all kinds of things. I, can't, I don't even have all the time or therapy 
to talk about all the things this dog did to me. However, um, one time in particular, before we moved here, I had the kids and we were gonna walk to the post office. So it was like uh, maybe four or five blocks or something from the post office from our house. And so I gathered the kids up, I got them by the hand, they're four or five years old, so they're little. And so I had this dog, okay? So we're going, uh, walking to the post office and stuff. So we get ready to cross the street to go over to the post office and he walks around my feet, traps me with a leash and takes off running across the street. He trips me in the middle of the street trying to cross to go to the post office. Okay, you understand that I'm looking, before I knew what happened, my children were no longer a part of my hands. They had ran across the road and I'm looking up at the grill of a BMW that was almost ran over me. So this is how I'm picking, I'm picking myself up looking, where are the kids? And I almost got ran over and this is George's fault. His name was George. Okay, at this moment, I wanted to just let go of the leash and just say, I don't know what happened to George, but he ran away. He tripped me in the street. I don't know what happened to him, but I hope he has a happy life with somebody else because it's not our house anymore, okay? But so I tell you, we took the dog home. I was bleeding and stuff. I'm pretty sure I still have a scar. I won't show it to you today, but we'll just move on. So we, later on, we moved, not soon, soon after that, we moved to Raleigh. And so when we moved to Raleigh, um, we moved from a big house where he had lots of room to tear up stuff and be mean and and make me hate him to a small thousand square foot apartment with two kids and a great dane that was big enough for my son to ride okay and so (laughs) yeah okay so i can feel i can feel my heartbeat like going up right now my my heartbeat meter is like hello so (laughs) so we get to raleigh and then he continues to just terrorize and and do all of these things to make me hate him even more I mean, he would go into my closet and take my shoes out of the box to eat them, to eat them and tear them up. And, and then one day I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna show Paul how this feels, okay? So one day his, I was getting ready to leave and just making sure everything is dog-proof. Paul's shoes are laying there, his tennis shoes. I was like, yeah, we'll just see how it feels when he eats his shoes. So I just left them there. Came home, never touched Paul's shoes. <laughs> Didn't eat them at all. I mean, this dog knew how to unlock the sliding glass door and pull it open and go out on the deck during the daytime and, and blast the heat all day when we were going to work. He could, he could open the doorknob and come into the room uh, when he was uninvited. He would, you know, he would try to come between me and Paul. We, I couldn't even give him a hug that he wasn't rooting in between us trying to get us to, to part. I mean, they're, I mean, they're slobbery. They sing snot everywhere. His hair's everywhere. I mean, they're gross. I mean, do, I mean let's be... Dogs are gross, right? So, I mean, you just don't understand how much I hate. So, I had, uh, I came home one day, and the couch cushions, I loved the couches that I had. I came home, it looked like it snowed in the living room. He ate two of my couch cushions and blew all of the filling all over the room. And he's just sitting there like, what's up? I'm in the clouds. This is my house. I mean, I had a fountain. I love fountains. And so I had this pretty uh, fountain. It was, it was pretty big and it flowed with water and everything. And so he drank the water out of my fountain. Like every day I had to fill it up because he would drink all the water out of it to where the, the, you know, the pump is like, you know, like every day. And so I hate, now I went from not liking dogs to now I hate dogs. Like it, it got to the point that it was like, okay, it's, it's either him or me. I'm not living with this dog anymore. I just can't. I don't think I actually ever said those words, but, I, but at the point, 
I just understood that Paul understood that if he would like to stay married, <laughs> that he might want to relocate, rehome the dog. And so that's what we ended up doing. And ever since out, out, out of that, you know, if, if you have a dog, that's awesome, but I don't want to pet him. I know he thinks everybody should love him, but I don't love him. And then we would go to my parents. My parents have two little dogs, and they just thought everybody should love them. You know, they would jump up on the couch, and everybody else is petting them and loving on them. And they jump on the couch. It's like, where's my love? Where's my love? I'm not your friend. Get out. I mean, I wouldn't be mean to the dog, but I'm like, I'm not touching you. I don't want to pet you. I don't want to touch you. Just please get down. That's not going to happen. Okay? And so then, so that's been 15 years ago. <laughs> and so for 15 years, the kids, and, and they wanted a dog. Corey now has two dogs. Actually, she had like four dogs at one time. She moved out on her own. She's like, I'm getting dogs, like all of them. I'm going to adopt all of them. And so even when she would come to the house, I'm like, I'm not your friend. Don't even come up, and I know you ha you're cute over there, but I don't want to pet you. And so um, it just went from there downhill. So God um, began to change my heart because Paul wanted a dog. And so he wants to get um, a dog. So we had talked about it even for a couple of years. Someday I'm going to get another dog. You realize that. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll work on that. So I asked God to change my heart towards it. And he started changing my heart towards dogs towards him getting a dog so by the time that um that he found he would look he was looking at a long time probably a couple years even <coughs> excuse me at doodles because doodles don't shed so i have two um a lovely wonderful um long-haired cats <laughs> that i love and they shed a lot and so um but the dog that he wanted doesn't shed so that was going to help out at everything so he's looking for a doodle but doodles are you know i mean my first car costs more than doodles but there there's a rescue um that this lady had rescued a couple of doodles from um from a puppy mill in ohio and it was a really good price on it so we bought an aussie doodle puppy back in november yeah and uh so by the time that we met nelly her name is nelly and so by the time that we um got her I liked her. I actually wanted to play with her. I mean, you know, before I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you let dogs in the house. Like, why would anybody ever want to do that? And then now it's like, you want to get on the first year? Come on, come on, come on, come here. And then you, she's so fuzzy and soft. I'm like, oh, it's a fuzzy head, fuzzy head. That's why I say every time I get her, I grab her ears and I go, fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy head. And she's so cute. She will jump up, she'll give me a high five. She wants a treat for it, but she'll give me a high five. And she's so cute. So God changed my heart towards this dog. And, and, um, and so if he can do that for me, for a dog, then how much more can he change your heart if you ask him to for the things that are even way more important? So we named her Nellie. She's really cute. I even made a video clip for her. Her name's Nellie, so I had to put you know, a Nellie song if you guys know Nellie. So do you want to see the clip of Nellie? That's her just getting somewhere. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> so that is Nellie and she's really cute and I actually like her now so I went from hating dogs to liking dogs <laughs> so, um, so God changes your heart towards the things that um, matter and then he's done that in other areas of my life there's been times that I have prayed God change my heart line it up with your word line it up with your perfect will for my life and he has because sometimes we don't always look at we know that we should want to want to over here but we kind of don't and I've just asked, God, change my heart and help it to line up with your word. So go with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61, we're reading 1, 2, and 3. This is Jesus' mission statement. This is the whole purpose of why Jesus came to earth. Can you hand me that bottle of water? I drank all my other one. Thank you. Is everybody there? Okay. 
So Isaiah 61, verse 1, says, The Spirit of the Lord Jehovah is on me, because Jehovah has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to opening up the prison to those who are bound, to preach the acceptable year of Jehovah, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint to those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the mantle of praise for the spirit of heaviness, so that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of Jehovah, that he might be glorified. So Jesus came to literally change my heart, to stop the bleeding on my broken heart, to take that tube of ointment called joy and to cover it all on my heart. Because if you have joy, then, then your heart is full. It makes you happy. And so he came to heal all of that so that he can apply that joy to our heart, just like an ointment. And that's what this scripture says. And so in your seats, you all have a paper heart, just like this. So if you'll grab your paper heart that's in your seats. <coughs> See, oftentimes our hearts are not whole because things happen in our past. And when there's actually in, in youth ministry, we have this, uh, we, we call the heart skit. We have little uh, 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 different things that would tear, tear your heart away. And then by the time that you get to the altar to, to marry your spouse, you have all these pieces of your heart and that, that, you know, you have to put them back together or that you come with a lot of baggage when you're getting married and then you have to work through it. So, um, but today, for the sake of this um, illustration, if your kids have hurt you or caused you hurt or pain in any way, um, then I want you to take that and just tear a piece of the heart away. If your kids have said something or done something that you need to change your heart towards them about something in general, or if they have, I want you to just tear a piece of that. If your parents in some way have made you feel less than or they've wounded your heart with their words or their actions in some way, if your parents have ever done that, to, to do that, I want you to tear a piece of that, just signifying that, that piece of your heart. If your spouse, I know some of you are sitting next to your spouse, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. If your spouse has ever done or said anything to hurt you or wound your heart that you've had to heal from it, maybe you're healed from it, maybe you're not yet, then take it and tear a piece of that off. <laughs> you need more hearts. <laughs> then, um, I, know what, I, know what, I know what you mean. That's why we're here today. <laughs> and then, what about even the people in, the, in this room? I know that this is, this is church, but the, the, but the truth is, is this is a spiritual hospital. This is not a country club. So the people around us hurt each other. And so if you've ever been hurt by somebody in this room or somebody at this church and they've wounded you and you've had to um, just change your heart towards them or you need a heart change towards them, I also want you to tear a piece of the heart. And we have salt covenant, and we certainly try to do the best that we can to not do or say anything on purpose to hurt each other, but the truth is sometimes we do, whether we mean to or not, depending on our um, emotional maturity or spiritual maturity, but sometimes we're just, sometimes we hurt people hurt people, and, um, and sometimes that happens. However, um, that's, why, that's why we're here, is just to work through it together. We're not perfect, and everything is not um, always super, and our hearts are not always whole, and so that's why we came here. 
so that, so that Jesus could take that. So now, let's go to with me in your, um, now, if you want to get, get an envelope off the back of the seats, then you can put your pieces in that, or you can hold on to your pieces, depending on how much you've uh, tearing it, tore it. <laughs> just put it, put it in there and just tuck it away, just hold on to it. We'll talk more about that later. So, Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. So go with me to Ezekiel. This is great scripture, and so if, this, if you're in a place right now that your heart is not completely whole or that you're still hurting from something, somebody, something, some situation, or, or even if you're not hurting but you're mad, <laughs> you got bitterness or resentment from anything, then I want you to go to the scripture because you can stand on the scripture. You can speak the scripture over your life. Verse 19 of Ezekiel 11 says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll cut your stone heart, cut out your stone heart and replace it with red-blooded, firm-muscled heart. Then you'll obey my statutes and be, and be careful to obey my commandments. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. So God can give you a change of heart. He can literally take out that heart of stone and give you a new heart. Let's talk about marriage for a minute. If your heart has been wounded by your spouse and it, it has to heal, you have to... You have to coat it with the right medicine. You have to take that, that oil of joy, and you have to cover that. You have to, if, it, if you don't, it won't heal. If you have a stony heart or a hard heart, then bitterness and resentment start showing up. And if that roots too much in there, then it's really hard to root that out and get over it. It's harder to do that if you let it set up residence in your heart. And so it's harder to get past that. If you pick at it and pick at it, or the people around you pick at it and pick at it, then you delay the healing. It keeps it from being whole. Some of you have that little video in your head of that constant repeat that just repeats in your head over and over again about what they said or what they did, and you're picking and picking that wound, and you're not letting it heal because you're letting that be on repeat rather than the Word of God being on repeat in what you're saying out loud and speaking over your marriage and speaking over your heart. And um, it won't heal without that medicine. Some of you, um, your heart towards your spouse is hard. It's not... It's not like it, you're not committed to each other. It's not like you're saying, okay, I'm out of here or anything like that. It's like you're committed to each other, but at the same time, sometimes you just want to punch them in the throat. You know, sometimes they make you mad, and it's just like, man, just everything is irritating me. I really want to punch this person in the throat. And so you have to move past that and love them through it and let God heal you during, um, during those times. God can change your heart. He can change your heart to that. If you can relate to that, any of that, even if your heart is hard, God wants to change your heart, and he will. Because sometimes you get to a certain point where you're like, I don't want God to change my heart. I am done. After what he said, after what he did, after how she treated me, I'm out of here. I, this is, I'm over. I don't want God to change my heart. I'm done with this. And then you don't allow it to. But if you are at the point, and some of you might even be sitting here right now, and you're in that situation where you know that you that you want to, you have to want to want to if you want to want to or your maybe your heart is not changed towards that person but if you want it to then god will change your heart god will work on it if you want him to if you're past that point of no return i've even had friends that i've sat down and talked to and they're like i'm i'm done with this i'm out of this marriage i'm leaving and i'm like do you, but do you want to want to change i know you don't feel like it i know you don't uh, want to but if your heart was changed, would you want to stay? Would you want to work it out? If their answer is yes, then they can always find a way back if they're, if they're ready, for, if, they're, uh, if they'll allow God to change their heart. Then he will. He'll come back to that. And so, girls, if you've caused hurt to, um, to your spouse, you have to put that ointment on his heart. If, um, for men, it's usually damage to their self-worth or disrespect. 
that's usually where men hit, they hit the hardest on their hearts. Am I right, men? And so, um, <clears throat> so if you, if you don't, um, if you don't put that ointment on his heart, if you don't try to mend that, if you don't show respect, if you don't build up that self-worth, then he will shut down and he will not let you back in. If that happens, it is hard to get past that. It's hard to get past that unless um, you walk through the steps and letting God change your heart. So build him up. Show him respect. Even if, it's, even if it's in faith and you don't know, you don't think he deserves it right now. But isn't it awesome that God gives us what we don't deserve? That his grace is so abundant. It's like an ocean. We could drown in it. But we won't extend that same grace that God give us to sometimes we don't extend the same grace to our spouses. You know, and so the more that we do that, the more that God will begin to change his heart, the more that God will begin to change your heart. So men, let's talk about men for a second. I'm telling you, put medicine on your woman's heart. If you don't, she will cut you. <laughs> Give her sweet words of affirmation. If it's gifts, if her love language is gifts, pick a flower from the yard or get a Tiffany box, wherever your budget is and whatever, they're, whatever, they're, whatever it is that they love. Do that. Put medicine on her heart. Invest time in your relationship. Um, how many of you know that Solomon was the wisest man in all of history? So let's read a couple words that he said. If you go with me to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs 21 verse 9. It says, It is better to dwell on the corner of the housetop than with a quarrelsome woman and to share a house. <laughs> so it's like, and if you look at the different uh, things, if you break it down and look back at the Greek, it's, it's saying a wide house, like a house that's big enough for both of us. However, it's better to live on the roof. Okay? And then go with me to Proverbs chapter 25, verse 24. Proverbs 25, 24 says, it is better to dwell on the corner of the roof of the housetop than with a quarreling woman and to share a house. He felt the need to say it twice in the Bible. <laughs> he is serious about this. I mean, Solomon probably had a pretty big house. <laughs> you know, he could have probably put his wife or wives on I mean, all in one end, and he's like, I will live on the roof first. <laughs> how many of you have ever, don't raise your hand, how many of you would ever just like, I just want to go live on the roof? Okay, good. Don't raise your hand. You might get slapped. Okay. <laughs> now turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21. Go back to 21 and go down to verse 19. Even in the same scriptures, listen to this. Proverbs 21, 19 says, It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. It's like, take me out to the wilderness where there is no running water, there's no Netflix, there's no bathroom. I mean, nothing. Just take me out to the wilderness than, than to deal with an angry woman. Am I right? She will throw a chocla at you. <laughs> and those could be deadly. So you don't want to get a flip-flop thrown at you. Anybody ever got a flip-flop thrown at you? Yes. <laughs> So the airwaves, for, for all of time, the airwaves have been, through, been full of songs about it. In the words of Beyonce, to the left, to the left, everything you own in the box to the left. <laughs> in the words of Carrie Underwood, I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. <laughs> So she can play Spotify's woman scorn playlist. Oh, it exists. 
or she can put on some smooth R&B. You have a say in that. You can decide. And so I know we're laughing, we're trying to keep the mood light because I know it's hitting you, some of you, right in the heart <laughs> to say, God, I need for you to change my heart. You know, but it takes time. You have to trust the process. As you're healing, you gotta put, you gotta put time into it. Um, you have to keep putting medicine on that. Win his heart again. Win her heart again. Ezekiel chapter 36, go with me there. Ezekiel 36, verse 25. It says, I'll pour water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed and not self-willed. I will put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and to live by my commandments. Isn't that awesome that he will do that for us? When it comes to your kids, let's talk about your kids for a minute. We raised two kids, um, and they, when they're small, you parent by authority, because I said so. When they get older, you have to parent by influence and tell them the moral reason why. If you don't tell them the moral reason why and you keep, you keep doing the because I said so, then they're not going to make the decisions that they need to based on that because they're always, well, mom's just, she just says that. I don't know why that she told me I couldn't do this or hang out with those people or, or go here because it's just because she said so. She just doesn't like that or doesn't like those people or she's just old. So she just makes, she's just nagging about stuff. And so, you know, so trying to explain to a teenager why not to have a boyfriend and why dating is not a good idea idea until they graduate high school is really hard if their heart is not into it if their heart is there and they embrace that then their heart will go that way if it's not they won't I was a youth pastor for 23 years and so teens when their teen teenagers are in love or for any for that matter if anybody when they're in love when they give their heart away once that point happens then it is stronger that feeling is stronger than any logic you can ever try to sell to them that's it so if there's somebody when once they're in love then that's it. You're not going to say, hey, you know, you, he might want to have a job. You might want to like to make sure that she is a godly woman, that she's going to be there for you. You might want to have all of these things in place. It don't matter at that point. Logic is out the window because if their heart is in it, your heart wants what it wants, right? And so they're going to stick to that. Trying to explain to a teenager why smoking is stupid is very difficult if their heart doesn't want to quit or they don't understand the reason why it doesn't want to quit. Now, however, parents, um, it doesn't mean that you don't have rules or consequences in place. They need to, they need to have those things in place. Um, you know, if they need to have the consequences in place, what, because they should do it because you said so. And if they override those rules, then there should be consequences for that. Even if, um, if your student is, is 8th through 12th grade, they should be in 24-7, 24-7 youth church, right? If they're, that's right. If they're in 5th through 7th grade, they should be in 5-7. Yeah, if they're in kids' church, they should be in kids' church. You know, they, they ha we have these classes on purpose. And so if, if your child is to the point where, I don't want to go to class, I don't like anybody there. Too bad they're going to English class tomorrow, then you're not going to let them by with that. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, too bad. If you, you make them go to school, if they don't want to go to practice, and they're like, I don't want to go to soccer practice today, I don't feel like it. Well, too bad. You signed up, you made a commitment to the team, so get your stuff on and get in the car. So how come we're like that? But like when we're in the things of, the, we get like a half a percent of time with, with them during the week as a, as a youth pastor, 1%, 1% of their time do we ever have a voice in their life. Am I right, Marcus? And so at least that 1% that we design a, a service, a class just for them, should you at least try to embrace it and help them um, see that, that this is a time that they can 
um, embrace that and to learn what God has for them and to be there. So there's rules in there for a reason, so I'm not saying that. Okay, let's talk about students for a minute. Students, win your parents' heart back again. Put medicine on that wound. Apologize to them. Earn their trust back. If you've broken the trust of your parents, then earn that trust back. It will take a lot longer than you want it to. <laughs> you have to be okay with the time. I know when you're a teenager, you think that the end of the world is like you'll never get through the next four years of college or high school. You think it's forever when it's not. It's just a blip in the bucket. And so keep doing everything that you can to make it up to them. Clean your room. Go above and beyond with your chores. Over-communicate where you are and who you're with. If you're being sketched with details, they're going to think something shady is going on and they're not going to trust you and it's going to take it even longer. So you get to choose how long it is or how not. But, you know, try, try to, um, don't make them question you. If your parents said or anything, anything or did anything to hurt you, then talk to them about it. If they've hurt your heart, then don't let resentment take root in your heart. Go to them with the right attitude at the right timing. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Go to them with the right time, with the right attitude, and ask them, say, God, Mom, you, when this happened, it really hurt my feelings. When you said this, it made me feel like I wasn't good enough. When you did this, it, you were really, I was, I was trying to do this. I was trying to understand what you were saying, and you just ran right over that and, and barked at me. You know, what, whatever that is, talk to them about that and say, I'm just going to let, you know, I, I, I want to heal from that. So I'm just going to, let's just talk about it. You know, your parents did not come with an owner's manual. <laughs> <clears throat> for you we don't have it all figured out as parents and we do dumb things sometimes you know so sometimes <coughs> we sometimes uh, parents talk down to their to their kids because in their minds you're still three years old <laughs> and they don't realize that they need different language different communication um to to relate to you how many of you still your your kids are grown or they're teenagers now but they're really still five years old in your brain so when you do that, now, unless you go from 16 to 6 in 6 seconds, then all bets are off. If you start acting like a 6-year-old and throw a tantrum, then you're, we're not listening to you anymore. Wall goes up, and we see you at 6 years old. <laughs> so um, do everything that you can to, to win their hearts. Business, concerning your career, <clears throat> your boss, your coworkers, do you need to change your heart towards them to situations um, at work? You know, can you look past their moronic activity and evaluate, is something else going on in their life that would cause them to act like this or be like this to me? Maybe you don't know what they're dealing with or what their home life is like or what, their, um, what news they've just heard from the doctor or, or things like that. Could it be something else that's causing you to want to punch them? <laughs> you know, think about all of those things. Psalms 112, verse 7, says, Unfazed by rumor and gossip, heart ready, trusting in God. So stay positive and ask God to change your heart. Ask him to give you the right answers, the strategies to reach them, because he will. When your heart is healthy and whole, when your heart is ready, you will be unfazed by gossip and you won't get offended so easily. Man, we have a whole world that gets offended at the least little thing. And it's like, wah, wah, crying about everything. And it's like, grow up. I mean, seriously. And why do you get offended about everything so easily? Just kind of look past that and just try to look at people like Christ looked at them. He looked through their stupidity. <laughs> he looked through their craziness. He looked through their ignorance about things and said, I love you anyway. I'm not sure why you're acting that way. You look really stupid doing that. However, I'm going to love you through it anyway. Too bad you're acting like an idiot right now. <laughs> and he's loving them anyway. And so if we looked at people that way, 
way, then we would have a change of heart and we could see things, we could see through the eyes of the way that God sees them. So let's talk about some of these uh, points, how to have a change of heart. How to have a change of heart. Number one, forgive. Psalms 34, 18 says, if your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you, he'll help, he'll help you catch your breath. I love that scripture. If you carry around bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness, it keeps your prayers from being heard. That's what the Bible says. In Matthew 6, 14 and 15, it says, in prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. So forgive. It's just a decision. You don't have to feel like it. Your heart doesn't have to be whole before you can say, okay, my heart's whole again. I can forgive them. That's not the way it works. You have to make a decision to say, hey, I forgive you. I don't hold you to this offense. I'm letting it go. You're forgiven. There's nothing between us anymore. There's, that ought is not there anymore. If you, even when you don't feel like it, it will, your heart will start healing faster if you make that decision first. It's just a decision. It's not a feeling. And you can still be hurt. You can still not trust that person. You can, may not even want to be around that person, and that's okay. But at least I forgive you. You're forgiven. So now we're just going to walk this out and let God heal your heart, and he will. He will do that if you ask forgiveness. Okay? Number two, pray. Pray. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Isn't that awesome? Let your worries be turned into prayers. Just pray for God, pray for God to, um, to help you to change your heart towards it and then let it go. It, there's no sense in both of you worrying about it. And, he's, and God says, if you're worrying, when you worry about things too much, you're saying, God, I don't trust you to handle this, so I'm going to have to do this by myself. So God, you're not good enough to handle it. Let me roll up my sleeves and handle this myself. What an idiot. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? We know that if we put our trust in God and trust him, he's a, he's a creator of the universe. Why would we not put our trust in him to let him handle it and help us through it, to walk us through it, and to try and worry about it all on our own? And so if we do that and we pray, just pray, God, I need to change my heart towards this. My heart is hurt, and I need to change. And it's going to take time, but at least pray and, and, and say, God, I, you're going to help me through this, but I need you. I have to help you. Uh, I, I, I need for you to help me through this situation. And he will. Number three, number three, speak the right things while you allow God to heal your heart. You have to say the right things because you're not going to feel like it at the time. If your heart is still hurting, then, you know, usually this is how it goes down. Somebody's hurt you or you're mad about something, then you're calling your best friend. Oh my gosh, guess what happened? This happened and then that happened and they said this and then this happened and then, oh my, I can't believe that this. I'm so mad. I want to punch them in the throat right now. I can't take it anymore. I can't believe that this happened. Are you kidding me? You know, you're talking about that, right? And then 
Then your husband comes home and you're like, oh, honey, guess what happened? And then you have to repeat all of the story again. And so now you're stirring up those emotions all again. And that's what you're speaking over your situation. And I understand it's good to talk about it and get it out to talk about. But, but the more that you talk about it and the more people that you have this conversation with, you're getting all those emotions stirred up and you're talking about that. And what are you speaking over the situation? And so you have to just be careful about it. I'm not saying don't say anything because you do need to talk about talk it out through the people with the people that are that are closest in your inner circle and most of us only have two or three people they're like that they're in your inner circle that much and so talk to them about it get their counsel but then after that then you have to speak the right thing over it just say i know god's gonna i know i don't i don't feel like it right now i don't even want to be in the same room with them right now but god's going to take care of it and he's going to help me through this you know, I know I don't feel like it right now, and my heart doesn't line up with that. I can't even hardly, you know, look at them. However, I know God is going to take care of this, and he's going to help my heart to heal towards this situation. You have to speak the right thing over it and speak, I have a changed heart towards this. I have a good heart towards this. I have forgiven this person. I have forgiven this situation. I am not uh, upset about it anymore. I'm not going to be over-emotional about it anymore. I'm going to speak the right things. James 3 says that words can accomplish anything. They can bring life or they can ruin everything. And that's the truth. Words can ruin, can burn your whole world down. Or words can make everything better. You get to choose what, which one. And um, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Go with me there. Luke 6, 45. It says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth the good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And that's very true. If you, if you wait long enough, whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And sometimes when it comes out of your mouth, you can't put it back in. <laughs> and then that's a whole different thing that you have to work through the consequences of that. So you can't, it's like a, a toothpaste tube. You want to like, how many of you just said something just like came out of your mouth because it was in your heart? And then you're like, man, I just want to put it back. <laughs> and then you can't. And so the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So make, make sure that you are careful about what you're speaking. Speak the right thing. Speak life. Speak healing. Speak new heart. Let's quote these scriptures. I don't feel like it right now, but God is going to give me a new heart. I'm really hurting about this, but God, you came to bind up the brokenhearted. And you said that you would put that oil of joy. I need joy. When you're hurting, um, one of the good things to, to say is if you want that joy back in your heart, find something, listen to something, watch something that makes you laugh. Because laugh brings joy to your heart. And laughter is internal aerobics for your heart. And so the more that you do that, the, the better that it will help the, um, the healing of your heart. And then number four. Number four, if you've lost hope, get the defibrillator. I have a defibrillator up here because when your heart stops, you flatline. <coughs> if somebody is unconscious and shows no signs of life, it shakes up everybody around you to do something. It compels you to take action. If somebody's heart stops, in the building today, everybody's going to freak out and grab the defibrillator out, off the shelf, and we're going to open it up, and you take these paddles out, because I'm going to need, a, I'm gonna need a, um, a volunteer to let me put these paddles on you. I got them all charged up here, ready to go, and all we have to do is turn on the machine. Oh, it's beeping at us. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not that. 
turn that off. Okay, so maybe maybe not that, but but that's what happens is that when you're um, <clears throat> when you've lost hope and you think your heart is beyond repair, if it's beyond forgiveness for what your dad did or what that person did to you or what they said to you or for that lost dream, you some of you have been flatlined for a while. <clears throat> that dream, but. The thing is, is that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. So when you're flatlined to a certain situation, then what do you, they yell? They charge this up and they yell, clear. So God is saying that same thing. Clear, it's not too late. Clear, I can bring back to life that dream. Clear, I can take out that stony heart and I can give you a fresh one, one that is whole, one that doesn't hurt anymore. I can put that oil of joy all over your heart and I can bring it back to life. I want everybody to stand with me today. I want you to just think about that. I want you to let him begin to change your heart in you, in right now. Just give you a change of heart in whatever area that you need a change of heart in. Whether it's business, whether it's your kid, whether it's your spouse, whether it's just certain situations. Maybe it's way back in the past. Maybe it just happened yesterday. Whatever it is, I'm going to ask you to just open up your heart and ask God to change it. Ask God to give you a change of heart and give you the right steps where to start from. We're going to worship a little bit more. So I just want to, I encourage you to just sing to him. Thank him for what he's doing in your life. Thank him for everything that he is. Ask him to change your heart. And then I want you to listen. Uh, the whole rest of this song, I want you to worship him and focus on him. Because worship is all about loving him. And, and just, uh, uh, he's the creator of the universe. He's so worthy to be praised. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we want to worship him today and give him the best praise. So let's do that today. Let's worship with the song.